0: An 8 bit Rocket Studios production.
1: We were children of the Silicon Revolution, an X generation conscripted to fight the console and home computer wars. A product of an analog 70s childhood, we came of digital age in the 80s, believing we could affect the world 8 bits at a time. Armed with joysticks, full-stroke keyboards, jolt cola, and MTV haircuts, we proceeded into the vertical blank. There, we stayed up late at night, devising incantations from D&D rulebooks and beginner's all-purpose symbolic instruction code. Video games were the match, and programming was suffused, as the infinite possibilities of the the digital world exploded into the internet age to come. We are Generation Atari. You are just listening to a song from Tony Longworth from a new collection called Music from Isolation.
2: More on that song at the end of the podcast. So welcome to Into the Vertical Blank, Season 3, Episode 6. I Want Candy, a discussion with Kurt Vendell from AtariMuseum.com about what could have been at Atari.
1: Yes, that's what it is. What do you know about Kurt Vendell, Joe?
2: I know of Kurt as showing up in mid-90s being like Atari guru across the internet when it started.
1: It was like late 90s, I think. I remember hearing about, yeah, but Kurt and Marty... And Marty did Atari HQ, and Kurt had atarimuseum.com, and they were the de facto people you went to to learn anything about Atari at the time.
2: Did Kurt, did he do, okay, so did Marty do Atari HQ, or did he do classicgaming.com?
1: I think he did, I think classic gaming, I think Marty had something to do with that as well, but um, I think Atari HQ was the first place that he was running.
2: Well, if Marty ever listens to this, Marty Goldberg ever listens to this, then he can let us know. Okay. Yeah.
1: I, it's some combo of, of the two. But I remember um, Kurt had was very close to Atari. I don't know if he actually worked at Atari. If he did, it was at the very, very end. But But he was able to secure documents and equipment and all sorts of things from Atari when they were going out of business or shortly thereafter pretty smart move on his part he has access to all sorts of documents and log books and things that are from the original atari as well as he and marty did hundreds of interviews with people for their books the first one atari business is fun is out came out i don't know almost 10 years ago and
2: the the next one is still in the offing well and um, about um... the Trumail era In the interview, um, which isn't part of this interview, and I did sort of cut it out, but I'll probably end it to the end of the next interview where we go through other things Kurt is working on. Kurt is such an interesting guy that we had to break it into our three-hour discussion, had to be broken into a couple one-hour interviews.
1: We'll do the next one next week um, about more modern stuff that Kurt's doing, but this week is all about candy.
2: Right. And well, let me um, say one thing is Kurt is now continuing on with adding more and more documents about the Tramiel takeover to AtariMuseum.com. Very interesting stuff. And it's basically the starting of what would be in the Atari Businesses War book. That's fantastic. So in this discussion which I pretty much just started talking to Kurt and then asked him about Candy and Colleen and the beginning of the Atari EPIC computers and asked him about to discuss an alternative timeline if Candy actually was a game player and let him go. And it's one of the most fascinating discussions or actually just talks I've ever heard anyone do, especially off the cuff, about Atari. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, Kurt is thrilling to listen to about Atari. Like, Kurt is so infectiously excited about talking about Atari. Like, I feel like Kurt is like our long lost Atari cousin, but like times 10. He is a a great example of the type of mental gymnastics Atari fans go through thinking about what could have been. I mean, we do this all the time. And Kurt is just like times, again, like times 10, times 25 uh what we think about he's been thinking about this stuff forever and the more that he uncovers documents and stuff the more just proves his theory is correct
2: exactly well let's get into that right now it's about I think about 45 minutes long so it's an interview but I cut out me saying almost everything and just let Kurt go. There's a few times that we add a few I add a few things in. But really this is Kurt in being the person you want to talk to about Atari. Hey, this is 8-Bit Jeff here. A little editor's note about what you're about to hear. This is the second half of my discussion with Kurt Vendell from atarimuseum.com about Candy and Colleen, the beginnings of the Atari 8-Bit computers. The first half of our discussion was about the 7800XM module that he's been working on. That part of the discussion will be next week. So Episode 7 of Season 3 will have a discussion with Kurt on the 7800XM module and other projects he's working on. This one begins with a discussion about his book Atari Business is Fun when it gets to the Atari 8-bit chapters. There's one very special chapter that talks about candy. And and we don't need a lot of discussion on this because... um, we, we know your thoughts, but I think we want to... I just want to get... Steve and I were talking about in um, that the biggest mistake Atari made, and some people are going to say, you know, E.T. or Pac-Man, but the biggest mistake actually is that E.T. and Pac-Man came out for the Atari 800 and Atari 400, and they were pretty good. In fact, Pac-Man was, would have been something that everybody would have purchased. I thought was like a Nintendo game at the time. But only 35,000 cartridges were made in the first run, or even less, because it was on the Atari 800. It was on the 800, yeah. So, when Candy was supposed to come out, which Candy would be, and I'd like you to explain what Candy was, it was not the Atari 400. It was something called, like, something like video game non, non-expandable or something like that.
0: Again, you know, Sherman, set the Wayback Machine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, Joe DeCure was, was kind enough to, to release... His full engineering logbook up onto the internet. You know, he sent it to me. He sent it to Kevin Savatz, He sent it to, uh, to quite a few people. And we, you know, we, we put that up publicly up there. Literally on the day they were showing the Atari Twenty Six Hundred at the CES publicly, him and uh, the, the the Cyan guys literally sat down and said. Okay, let's start working on ways to improve this. And um, you know, I, I, I coin I coined the term uh, in the chapter uh, in Atari Inc. Uh, Business is fun. I call it, you know, uh, Stella Stella gets gets uh, gets gets some new character. Um, well, basically, Joe. One of the first things he wanted to do was he wanted to be able to have real characters on the screen. He wanted to be able to have, you know, alphabetical characters, alpha, you know, alphanumeric. This is this is where antic comes from. This you know, the, you know, he, he, he wanted he wanted a way to be able to more efficiently get the system to be able to display um, a character set and to be able to to be able to do more. He he envisioned not a computer, but he envisioned Giving the twenty six hundred um more advanced features such as the ability to have a keyboard the ability to have storage median i mean they're they're thinking about how do we make games and what if we could save you know game data you know whether it would be high scores or saving where the character was at and continuing the game um they're they're already thinking of this so you see the process of them developing this new chipset they take the TIA and the TIA gets expanded into the CTIA and for the CTIA to be able to do all these advanced features they've now got to add in a sister chip so it can directly talk to the memory. So they add in Antic so that Antic can be the DMA controller. It can, you know, it handle, you know, creating the display lists and creating the graphics and then let the, the, let the, the CTIA, you know, put up on the screen. So they start developing this new system. They start developing ideas for a keyboard and, and storage and such. And before you know it, the VCS becomes a computer, but at one point they say well, wait 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 guys we're now developing a computer what happened to us making a better VCS we're supposed to we we were, we were supposed <laughs> to be making a replacement for the VCS we we understand the VCS has a 3 year lifespan and by 1980 we should be looking at something to replace it with so where is our game player so now suddenly the project, which started off as Project Colleen, suddenly gets a sister project called Candy. Now, Candy, no pun intended, Candy comes in two flavors. And Candy comes, the, the, the problem with Candy was there was an identity uh, crisis going on with, with Candy. Was Candy gonna be a computer? Was Candy gonna be a game player? And there was discussion at one point of two paths. One would be the game player, one would be still the computer, and then finally decided it's going to have to be one or the other. Now, there are prototypes of the first iteration of candy that has a 24-pin cartridge connector on it. Ah. And this was going to be the game-only candy. It was was meant to be a more stripped-down... system, which is basically you're going to go with a 24-pin connector versus the 30-pin connector. Um, They were going to take out a lot of the the, the features. The very early 800, the first version of the 800, started off with a a 24-pin connector and then quickly moved to the 30-pin when they realized that for this thing to be a computer, they were going to need a 30-pin connector. But the first iteration, the first prototype of Candy actually has a 24-pin cartridge connector on it. This was meant to be a game only player and I have engineering notes and if you even read some of the pages in Joe DeCure's engineering log you will see that right at October and November of uh, 1978 the management team the project team puts out the question Do we go with a candy that has no built-in keyboard, but we have a keyboard that you'll plug into joysticks port three and four, and we sell this as an add-on, and we drop the SIO connector, or do we include the SIO connector and the keyboard? My opinion, and I've, I've been stating this for 20 years, is they made the wrong decision. They certainly did, didn't they? This was a horrible decision. I can't say this for a fact, but I know the computers were a major point of contention and part of the uh, boardroom meltdown where Nolan got fired. And Manny Gerard refuses to give me the full details. He told me that um, he made a promise to Nolan he would never discuss it. But I know some of the... Details of the points of contention Nolan had with uh, the board at that meeting: uh, them canceling the pinball division, them canceling, uh, you know, uh, quite a few things. Uh, the, he, he didn't like the, the the video pinball unit; it was the, it was kind of diluting the whole pinball division. There were a bunch of things that were an issue, but I know the major, the major point of contention was the VCS. Unfortunately. This, this always bothers me. you get a lot of these uh, YouTube history you know history videos, they make assumptions and they, they come up with their own storyline. They were saying that Nolan wanted to just discontinue the VCS and just go back to arcade games and that that's patently false. not true. Yes, not true at all. Nolan, said that the VCS needed to be discontinued because he knew full well from the beginning when Stella was developed, the the code name for the the, the 2600, when Stella was developed, the engineers themselves said this would have a three-year lifespan. We were coming up to the tail end of the 2600. The Candy or the Colleen project was supposed to be started as the replacement so that come 1980, 1979, 1980, we could come up with the follow-up, the follow-up to the, the 2600. So Candy is made, and Candy should have been the replacement unit. And I believe that this was part of his argument, because I know he had serious issues with the development direction of the computer unit. The computer division, excuse me. And this leads me to my theory. And again, I'm not stating this for a fact, like I see a lot of YouTube history videos. I'm stating this is my belief. The contention that Nolan had was they developed a game player, but they were going to market it as a low-end computer instead. And this is that I'm using. Going to use that nerd term. This is this is the logic gate. This is this is where you you do your yes or no. Do we make a game player? Yes, great. Atari is now still alive thirty years later. Do right. we make a game player? No, no. Atari burns up and crashes it's in flame. Exactly. It's um, funny because in the
2: first episode of this podcast, when we're talking about Pac Man and everything, the we just together Steve and I are sitting in there. And what we came up with was that exact moment because why are we looking at Atari VCS Pac-Man in 1982 we should be looking at either an Atari 800 version of Pac-Man or the third generation of a machines Pac-Man by that right. time right, right. and this so is, this,
0: is, this is one of those things where you wish you could you know go to Doc Brown's yeah house, exactly <laughs> garage and steal the DeLorean um, first we'll go back in time and, 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 and kill Hitler, and then we're gonna go back in time and make them make the two most pivotal pivotal <laughs> points in in in, in 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 world history. Um, we, we need to correct, you know, go back in time and correct. So either either we get Doc Brown's DeLorean or we steal Doctor Who's uh, TARDIS. But either exactly. way we go back. But here is here is that logic gate. Here is here is the moment of 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 Atari's infamy where if if marketing had said you know what yeah we were supposed to make this as a replacement for the VCS um let's put this into into place the problem was is we were dealing with um an autocrat who was out of his element comes from textile industry knows diddly squat about technology now I I will give Ray Kassar credit He did understand how to run a structured company. He didn't know how to allow talented people to make talented decisions. So unfortunately, he ran an autocratic management style, which was sort of the the polite version of a dictatorship. And everything had to be channeled through him. Since he was out of his element, since he didn't really understand technology, Suddenly Space Invaders comes out. It's selling like hotcakes to the point where people are actually running out and buying Atari 2600s so they can play this hot new game. So he suddenly looks and says, "Oh, this this record player is going to sell millions. I need to make sure this record player is the most important product in this company right. so we Sell records that only play on this record player, and I'm using I'm using this terminology because this is how Ray cassar viewed the 2600. It was a record player. It's also and
2: Warner, and that's their job is to sell records, right? So like Warner,
0: that. Warner was an entertainment company. Warner wanted Warner wanted entertainment from a technological standpoint. They didn't understand what they were sitting on, which was literally. Atari was literally the Xerox park of Warner Communications. Whereas, you know, Xerox, Xerox, Xerox creates Xerox Park to develop new products because, you know, Fujitsu and Toshiba and all of these other companies are now developing photocopiers because the patent expired and now xerox has to make sure it has new products so that it can stay in business so it creates this think tank to come up all these great new products but then doesn't want to use any of them because they're a a photocopy you know photocopy company all (laughs) they want to do is sell photocopiers so you've got this beautiful technology which was basically what we're using right now today you know Forty-five years later, these guys in 1975 create the mouse and Ethernet and GUIs and icons and instant messaging and all this other email and all this other cool stuff that today we take for granted. These guys did in '75 and '76. Um, so here is Atari, which is literally Warner's own Xerox Park. They can. These guys are unbelievably talented you've got some of the greatest minds working there in fact some of the minds were so great that steve jobs was stealing tons and tons of engineers from atari to the point where alan alcorn actually had a call and threatened steve jobs that if he didn't stop stealing his engineers atari was going to start selling clones of the apple II and put apple out of business (laughs) that's how heated this actually got this that came directly from al alcorn he told me that story i put it in, in atari inc but I mean, this is this was how talented the pool of people were in Atari, but Warner didn't understand this. Warner wanted to sell records. Warner wanted to sell movies. They but they saw, oh, well, we need to be doing this high-tech stuff. You know, they do those things with them silicone micro microchippy things over there in the in the California. So maybe we can make us some cool entertainment stuff with them silicone diodes. So <laughs> this this was the mentality that we were dealing with here is they didn't understand what they had and you had someone running the company from the textile industry he didn't understand the technology he didn't know what they were sitting on and instead of listening to the engineers he hires a bunch of harvard mbas who are basically yes men and you've got the future of the company sitting here which is this Unbelievably powerful machine in 1979 that can do sounds and graphics that is kind of like the equivalent of what the Amiga becomes, right? You know, in it took the Commodore
2: 64 to be able to have a rival, and that was at least
0: three years later, right? It was about three years later. 82 Uh is when when you see the Vic and you see the uh, the, the, the Commodore 64 come out, and I mean, I spoke with Rob Yanis and He said, we got the Atari 800s in, we took them apart, and we cloned them.
2: I I read that Commodore book, the book about them making it, and listening to what the guy's talk about, they don't mention Atari at all in the book because I think someone would have sued them. Because in the book, it's like, yeah, we made this, and this is like, I'm looking at the architecture of Atari 800,
0: and I'm going, you guys just stole this stuff and renamed it. That's all they did. I mean, and you know, you got to remember something. It's much, much more difficult to create something from nothing to take someone else's design look at it and copy it but we've got a machine that is is ridiculously powerful powerful for 1979 as a video game remember something you've got ibm who actually sat down and approached atari about looking at could ibm either purchase the whole computer design of the eight hundred from Atari, or could IBM just buy the Atari computer division and bring it over? They were seriously looking at this to the point where um, I forget the gentleman's name. I, I he actually lives actually lives right up here because I'm literally sitting in the backyard of I, IBM's old Armand campus. First I have podcast. I have tremendous, of old IBMers around here. I, I run into them all the time. Um, he was one of their industrial designers. He actually built an IBM looking atari 800 800. it looks like an ibm and it actually has you know you know actually has ibm on it ibm personal computer on it (laughs) instead of a atari 800 the machine graphically and sound wise was so powerful because remember this is the first computer system with dedicated audio video and memory processors in it this thing this thing beat the pants off of the Apple II. The Apple II was a piece of garbage compared to the 800. The 800's only Achilles' heel was the Apple II didn't have an RF emulator, so they didn't have to worry about right. you know shielding, you, know, you know FCC Class 15 Part B issues. And they had all these slots. The 800 had slots, but they were you know they weren't externally accessible, so you couldn't get access to it. Plus, they only of of their of their four slots, only one was had an external select line on it, which was slot three, that you could really do a lot with it. And I mean, you had CMC; they actually put out a floppy drive controller. It's very, I actually have a photo of a floppy drive expander that stacked on top of the eight hundred. Nobody ever saw. They made a parallel serial card. Um, you had Bit Three Corporation making an 80-column card. You had Austin Franklin making an 80-column RGB card. You know there were there were a lot of cards that had really massive capabilities. Now imagine if the slots had been turned the other way to face straight back it out of it Out it. right. And imagine if they all had external select lines on them, and maybe they all had individual you know interrupts or memory line uh, uh, lines on them, and you now had four external slots or three external slots, the 800 would have been a killer system. Maybe the the
2: consumer one that they designed didn't have to be that even yet, right? Like they could have designed that same system you're talking about a year later, right? Well, that's
0: that's what always bothered me was, um, I have a drawing by, Larry Nicholson. He was one of the co-founders of Cyan Engineering. Uh, worked alongside Steve Mayer, and he was part of the original Colleen team when it when it first started up. You know, in Cyan, he did what was called the Atari 100 b proposal, and it was an 800, which was wider, had a numeric keypad, and then had all of these slots in the back of it that you could plug modules in. And um, you know, there's no reason why. A year later they couldn't have redone it and you know i've looked at the case i've looked at the big rf shielding that's inside they could have utilized basically the exact same case maybe just modified it so it would open up the back a little bit they could have turned the the slots you know uh, perpendicular and they could have changed things enough and they could have come out with a later version. Um, I did show at the the Vintage Computer Festival last year, I put out on display, which was the Atari 800D, which was an internal in-house Atari 800 developer system. And the thing has a replaced CPU board with a ribbon cable that comes over to a left side panel. The left side panel has two serial ports and it has a 40-pin expansion connector is and there? Atari, at, is that on a Atari museum, or is I saw it on on YouTube? Yeah, yes. that- if, you, if you if you if you look up Atari 800D, you'll find it at Atari Museum, and I put okay. I put photos up. But this here is a system with serial ports and an expansion connector. This is all this is all directly bus. There's no SIO here, so these are these are bus-driven serial ports, and you've got an expansion bus. Now imagine. If they had modified that just a little bit, maybe put the the DB15 parallel port from the 850, and you would have had two serial ports and a parallel port built on the side of this. And you know, I threw I threw this kind of out. Is you look at Apple? Apple came out with the Apple II, then they came out with the Apple II Plus, then the Apple IIe. Why couldn't they have put out the 800 Plus or the 800e? And this would have been a next version, the 800. They wouldn't have had to do any cos- you know, they had to do a minor cosmetic change to the to the to the to plastic, and they would have made an opening slot in the RF shield to let this ribbon cable pass through the CPU board externally out to the unused left side portion of the 800. There's no reason why they couldn't have done that. I have a photo from uh, Cyan Engineering. They actually produced a custom Atari 400. That has a built-in 300 baud modem. It was going to be part of that whole. I'm sorry. They say uh, it was Chase Manhattan Bank. Um, oh well. Wow. Yes. Citibank. Chase Manhattan. When they did the Pronto cartridge, um, the banking cartridge for for Chase Bank, uh, Cyan Engineering actually built a custom 400 with a built-in 300 baud modem. So you wouldn't have had to have any. You wouldn't have needed anything except the 400 and the cartridge, and you would have been all set, and you would have been able to do online banking. So these are things that they worked on. So asking them to do an 800D and putting that out commercially, there's no reason why Atari shouldn't have been improving the design. Because I mean, you look at the 800 from '79 through '83, because I mean it kept going right up until the, the, the middle of '83. The um, they never, they never changed anything. They didn't. Other do anything. Than so that one... that explains
2: a lot, though, because if you talk about those years, the VCS didn't improve,
0: right? The Atari 400 and 800 didn't improve. The only all, thing they did was all the you saw, All you saw from Atari from 79 forward was cost reductions. That's all they did. We need, to, we need to step back here because let's go back to 79. Let's go back and talk about candy again. Let's talk about the game only, which is the, they called it the game only player. Now, imagine a 400 where the whole top just kind of slants down, kind of kind of a la 5200. Right. Where you just had the cartridge slot in the top, they probably would have had a little door that opened up, or maybe they would have changed it to be more like the VCS. Now, imagine here we are; it's it's 1979. The Atari announces that they they're coming out with a new computer division. Here's the new computer, and here is their new whatever you want to call it, the new advanced video game system or the new advanced game player. Marketing doesn't have to say anything other than um. Atari will now be releasing all of its hottest, newest titles on our new advanced gameplay right. first. And if they had gone with the marketing strategy of, okay, so yeah, Space Invaders came out on the, the, 700, the 2600, it's selling like hotcakes, that's great. So here we are in 79, the candy comes out, they could have sold a upgrade package which would have included Star Raiders, a keyboard, and a joystick. They could have sold it kind of like the Entertainer. Right. They sold with, the, with the 800, they could have sold, you know, the- Because Star know.
2: Raiders is the one game that demanded um, you to pr- d- demanded the aft and forward right. keys as well. So, you
0: know, you know if, if they were, if they, they, they proposed the idea of a computer, of a keyboard that plugged into joysticks three and four, and you would use it externally. And now I know in old, it, maybe analog and antic, it may be even a total of Atari connections. I know for a fact there was a company that put out at one point a full stroke keyboard that plugged into the 400 and 800 through joystick ports three and four. Oh. So, and also remember the 800 comes out with the CX85 numeric keypad it plugs into joysticks. I think I think you could select whatever joystick you want to plug into. You could go two, three, or four. You can even plug it in one if you wanted to. But you could plug it into any of those joystick ports, run the driver, and run it. So they could have just basically hardwired the 15 lines that go to the keyboard directly into, they could have removed ports three and four, consolidated them together, made a DB15 or a DB19, and just had that one port right there and the two other joystick ports next to it there was your game player did just the cartridge port on the top maybe eliminated the door no no keyboard on the top just basically slant the whole thing down and remove the SIO port because select kept option select and um start and reset those buttons on the top Yeah. yeah they could have done that with reset and so you know maybe they could have done that for selecting games and stuff like that, they could have kept those. Those those buttons would have been fine, and and that 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 would have worked out well. So that
2: would have been, so been cost reduced enough, you think, so that it
0: could have. Well, comp- think about it. Think about it. You remove the SIO, they could have removed probably. They could have probably done the same thing they did with the PIA with the 5200. They didn't really need the PIA at that point. Um, they probably could have done away with that and then just used the pot and the uh, the other the other lines from the pokey. brought those in or they could have you know thrown they could have they could have probably worked it out or maybe they would have left the pia in i'm not i'm not sure but they could have eliminated the SIO port. they would have eliminated the keyboard they could have simplified the um the case a lot more and cost reduced it down it still would have been an expensive system probably would have been 199 system they probably could have kept it at eight you know you're going going from 128 byte vcs to say 8k I think that would have been more so than enough. So, 8K
2: alpha. allows you to play all the 16K brown cards that so wouldn't be brown anymore, by the way. But anyway, unless you put the 16K brown cards, bank squished at 8K.
0: It still would have worked out fine. They could have used the same cartridge port design. And you know what? Hey, here's the game player. By the way, it's compatible with our computer. You can right. play the game with your computer too. If you, so if you upgrade,
2: you can use your same cartridges and you're set, right? right? Or whatever.
0: So. You know here here's the new game player here's the new advanced you know vcs or whatever you want to call it comes out in 79 so now one of the packages you can buy with it is the keyboard star raiders and a joystick package they they put that all together and they sell it to the new advanced player but now you're going to start to see okay now you start to see asteroids you start to see missile command maybe they do you know they, they you know now you're going to start to see as 80 comes along all right, now we can do Battle Zone, we can we can do we start doing some other more advanced games. And
2: it's not um, just the games that came out on the eight hundred because of the four hundred, because they would have actually had time and development money to make those games better. For instance, Galaxian on the Atari eight hundred should be as good or better than the Galaxian on Colecovision it's not yeah. the galaxy on the 2600 is actually better
0: look at a lot of the 2600 games they put a lot more development right them they both.
2: put so much time it was and they and they mattered they mattered to the company like and so if you put something behind it where it matters you're going to get even better versions than were on the 800 like it just even though those but, are incredible but, versions
0: but you see here here's what you start to do now is now asteroids <clears throat> doesn't come out on the vcs it comes out on the new right. advanced system first. Six months later, you get a VCS version. Exactly. You now get, you get, you know, maybe Battlezone. Maybe, you know, you get, you know, now Space Invaders comes out on the advanced system. Now you get, you know, maybe they call it advanced Space Invaders. You know, they start to give them new, new titles. Um, but now you start to see now all of the new titles only come out on this system first. They come out on the VCS 6 months later this way what happens is now what you do is you don't say okay we're going to we're going to phase this out or we're going to de- discontinue it and we are not going to worry about adapters to plug in to make it play those 2600 games right. no the games are still going to come out but when you want these new games they come here first and they're better now what happens is the market on its own the buyers on its own are automatically going to see wait I want asteroids so I'm going to buy this system. You know, maybe I'll give the VCS to my little brother. And eventually what happens is you have a soft transition where more, less and less people are going to buy games on the 2600. They're going to be buying them on the new system. The transition is going to happen on its own and now eventually within a year or two pretty much the VCS is done. They can now announce they're going to discontinue it and Maybe they'll still keep developing a couple of games for it as they go along, but they're not going to sell those anymore. So now they can focus on the new advanced system. So now we're seeing 80, 81, 82. 82 comes along. They secure Pac-Man. Pac-Man is released on the new advanced system. So you've got a Pac-Man that, okay, it's a landscape version of Pac-Man, although they could have done a portrait one. You look at the one like, like Perry uh right. Dwent put out with his cartridge that friggin game is amazing but even if they did the the the, the portrait version of uh, the landscape version you now have intermissions you have all this stuff you've got a buying public their jaw is going to hit the floor now all of a sudden advanced game consoles are going to be flying off the shelf because pac-man is the game that puts atari on the map every magazine article cover is going to be talking about how great Pac-Man, how Pac-Man came home. It looks and plays just like the arcade and this, you know, blah, 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 And now you see the change. There is not the, there's not the Pac-Man fault and maybe ET is done. ET is now done on the home computer. So now we see a, we see a better ET. Um, hopefully maybe Howard, Howard moves over to the, to the, 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 the advanced system, uh, you know, programming team, and maybe they've got more time. Maybe Atari's doing so well; they don't have to get into that, you know, that that trap uh, deal that that Steve Ross did. Unfortunately, you know, oh God, yeah. you know, E. T. You you can't blame Howard. You can't even blame Atari. This was Steve Ross. It's Steve he, Ross. You know, he was kissing Spielberg's ass, and Spielberg. You know, I have a very strong feeling, Spielberg just played ross so because- so
2: steve and i had we did an um uh, an episode last year about pele's soccer and steve ross was the part of, part of the warner group that owned the nasl um they owned the cosmos, cosmos. and our whole yeah. f- posit was that not only did was it et or anything like that it was the it was ross's idea about using the vcs as a as a Marketing platform for his other things, of course. Right? That screwed over all of Atari. Now, Pele Soccer, not a bad game. Pele, not a bad guy. Kids no. liked it, right? But it yeah. just was the fact that how much money was paid
0: out to right. do how that. Much, how much? How much did Atari lose? Right. So loss could market his other assets. Fifty two hundred was supposed to come out as a super high end sophisticated game player this was supposed to be a very this was supposed to be for the ferrari crowd the
2: refined the refined game
0: exactly this was the refined player this was with the deep pocket player this machine was going to cost a hell of a lot more um unfortunately you know while atari the problem was atari was so might it was so narrow and myopic all it could see was in television so all all it saw was the enemy is in television and television television, and television But nobody was bothering to look, go out and look out in the field and maybe hear the whispers. Oh, did you hear about, you know, CBS and, you know, Coleco? Coleco They've been been getting this, this TI chip, this, you know, this graphics processor they've been messing around with. And I think they're working on a game console. Nobody bothered to listen out at the grapevine that, oh, by the way, CBS and Coleco, they're, they're working on something. Did you hear about it? They literally, I mean, they walked into the summer CES and they got hit in the side of the face. They with had fire. no
2: idea that there was a Donkey Kong out there.
0: No, they had no idea. I mean, the, the, the head of marketing absolutely threw a... Right. Went, threw ...a lip fit on Nintendo because they're over there negotiating and all they could get was the computer rights because, you know, you got to realize something. And this was a big problem. Atari didn't realize Nintendo was not their friend. No. Sega was not their friend. These guys had their own ambitions. They 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 wanted in on the U.S. market, and if they could do anything to weaken Atari, so be it. So you know they're over here negotiating with Atari, and I mean you got to understand, Atari's so focused on in, in television, they have no idea. Not only is Coleco getting into the market, but from the very very incarnation of of the ColecoVision, Coleco's sole purpose was to destroy atari if you look at everything coleco did they go out they negotiate deals with sega nintendo exity right. they're going out they they made sure that they were getting key um key licenses they wanted to do what atari did but they wanted to basically pull the rug out from under atari they they start designing things and i mean i'll be honest with you Coleco did great product, but quality-wise, you open up their controllers, they're built like shit. Also, it it hurts
2: just as much as a a pain line controller. It
0: hurts. Oh my god, the the ColecoVision controllers, I can only play those for a couple of minutes, and then I feel like I've got arthritis. I mean, everybody complains about the 5200 controllers. You play with a ColecoVision controller, you know, I can I can play with a 5200 controller, and maybe I can't get Pac Man to go where I want to go, but I can hold a 5200 controller and play with it for a couple of hours. A ColecoVision controller, after maybe 30, 45 minutes, my my hand, my wrist, and my my pinky, I can't I can't hold my frig. I can I my my hand is all cramped up. I can't use that little tiny disc. That thing that thing cramps up my hand like you wouldn't believe. That thing's that thing that thing is painful. But I'm talking quality wise. Open one up, look inside. They're built like crap. They even even the console, when you open up a ColecoVision console, the the board is really, really. Some of them didn't even have solder masks. I mean, they they kept everything as low as low priced as possible. But they
2: it worked. It worked. So they, and there's an argument whether the ColecoVision could make better games than the 5200 or the 900. I mean, um, scrolling 95? was The scrolling was atrocious. But they could. They did put the TI chip had thirty two single color sprites on it, um, but only eight per line. You could still basically you could make the same games that you could make on the Atari eight hundred. Without you could make
0: them, but I'll tell you what. I've I've done side by side comparisons. Like I mean, and a River Raid are not as good on the ColecoVision. No, 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 no. Five thousand two hundred did sell more units than the ColecoVision, but I'll tell you what. The ColecoVision seriously damaged Atari sales.
2: Well, Coleco had had different set of games. But one thing, I, so if could have Atari at that time, but the fifty two hundred came out to be to compete with ColecoVision, ColecoVision may not even have existed if this if this candy had come out. No, right? ColecoVision may not
0: even existed, and television and television may not have been, may not existed,
2: and uh, television Coleco might have Intellivision. just Intellivision. been making games for candy or whatever we're calling it.
0: This is what I'm saying. If if we saw candy or colleen or we saw this game only player come out and say 79 or 80 and now you've got a player that a um the game cartridges also work on the home computer so they will have additional sales for that but b now you've got a system that was far far more superior than the intellivision so they basically clobber the intellivision now the rest of the industry they're set back years they're going to have to play catch up So we now see Pac-Man come out. We now see a system that can be quickly developed for. And, you know, the developers can use the 800 as a developer system because it's the same architecture. And by that time, uh, I'm still
2: calling it Candy, but I I would love to have another name for it. But but Candy, a a cost-reduced Candy with a keyboard would have probably meant that VIC-20 wouldn't have had a chance against the Atari machine.
0: Because mm, I, I I could I could see I could still see them trying to come out with the VIC twenty, um, at, at some point I think we'd still see we'd still see the four the four Commodore engineers they probably got still, it got it okay I, I I still see I still see Jack Tremel he saw the opportunity I could still see him doing that um but here's the thing it, you know at that point we're talking eighty two we would hope by that point that Atari was already well into another version of their chipset, which would be coming out in 83 or 84 that would have propelled them to the next level
2: you're talking about uh, uh, at least a high-res 16 colors with 32 sprites on the screen so you could replicate any arcade game
0: that was out there pretty much without right well also you also remember something now here's something that's key is remember atari they never made. They never made an announcement of this. They just started to ship out the GTIA, right? Which had the better color palette and the additional graphics modes. You know, they could have released that later on, either on just the computer or specifically for the game console as an upgrade. So, you know, there, there, that that's something you got to kind of throw in the equation. Is the GTIA comes out um, later on and increases the graphics uh, modes and graphic palette on on the system but i'm i'm talking more of would we see a better gtia or would we would we possibly see the other mistake which was instead of shooting j minor down on a 16 bit system Ugh. instead give him a decent budget for starting to do research for realizing you know what these guys just spent the last 3 years <clears throat> or the last two years. They've just developed our next console, which is gonna keep us alive for the next couple of years. <clears throat> Let's get them set up with a budget. They need to start researching what we're gonna need in the next three years or so. And if they get it ready, then in three or four years, we put them into development mode. And now we start to develop and build out right. the next. So we may have seen Again, we're 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 skewing the timeline here. We've gone back in time. Um, Marty has stopped the the, the lightning bolt, and um, <laughs> yeah, we're now we're now on a different tangent. And now the candy player has come out. We would see in this timeline that J. Minor stays, Joe stays. They've now begun research on this sixty-eight thousand console which they had done the whole block diagram for and we're seeing basically the Amiga being developed in-house and we see the next generation 800 completed not in 86 but we're going to see this completed probably the end of 83 and now we're going to see something which is the Amiga but it's an Atari come out Late eighty three, early eighty four. Now we see the next generation. So
2: that's, I mean, your, yeah. that's your that's your high end game player slash computer for the yeah. for the Intellivision crowd because it got, it that sixty eight thousand with all that memory is going to cost a lot more money.
0: Yeah, this is this is this is this is something that's going to be. You're not going to see a game player per se. We're probably going to see a a computer. In the a computer, right? And we could probably see. At some point okay now we understand the architecture we're now going to trim this down we eliminate the keyboard the disk drive um, the maybe the the RGB output we just go to straight you know onboard RGB to an RF converter and maybe we can see a high-end player at maybe 299 or 399 that's that's gonna be your more uh, coffered Sort right. Of player system,
2: but you could see at that point that Atar- every three years, Atari could have could have put out. Until oh, now,
0: look, look, look at Sony. Look right. At Sony. What do, we, what do we see from Sony? Every three
2: years, a new fantastic
0: system. Right. Precisely. This is this is what we should have been seeing from Atari, in our new timeline where Atari isn't stupid and they don't turn candy into a low-end computer, but instead turn it into their next generation game player we're now seeing atari atari sales are doing fantastic atari is dominating the industry we don't see all of the other players entering the field because atari is well ahead of the curve so we're not seeing a dilute you know a diluting of the field yes we are going to see third parties we are going to see activision and magic and all these other ones because we're going to see third-party development, but we're going to see a better quality of games. Do we? Do we really see crap games on the computer systems? Yeah, there's some, but even the crap games. Well, that,
2: that's good. because you could put that on a cassette and sell the and disc, and that made it eat a lot simpler to put out there, but right? We're not
0: like, going to see cassette on
2: cartridge systems. games for the Atari 100 are very high quality.
0: This means we're not going to see the Chase, the Chuck Wagon. We're not going to see Space Cavern. We're not going to see all this shit in the shit games that we saw on the 2600 which you know diluted the diluted the console and we're going to see a higher caliber of games on this new candy game console that comes out so i don't see i don't see the glut of yeah. crap games we are going to see a glut of games but we're not going to see a glut of crap games we also because it's a more advanced system we may have seen the ability for them to have put some kind of block on oh yeah where you couldn't do that on on the 2600 so there's there are possibilities here in our altered timeline
2: (laughs) kurt i mean thank you very much for for taking the time to talk this is a a lot of help and obviously we uh we uh, appreciate everything you do so so thank you very much
0: i mean i'm I'm right in the middle of a very um important transition period i'm 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 starting to post up a lot of stuff as uh, Atari Inc. turns into Tremail uh, Atari. Oh God! And I've been posting up a tremendous amount of material. There was a lot of bold plans, and I think it's very important that a lot of people understand that. Yeah, they were called XEs, but they were still XLs. They're just XL computers, but they were stuffed into very drab utilitarian cases. I, I, I never, I never liked the way the XEs looked. I thought because they, they, they first of all they didn't look Atari, and no. they were just really ugly. But but the XL the XL cases really were great, sexy cases. I I, I love them. The, the The problem was they were just very expensive. Yeah. Um, and that was the whole point of the XEs was put them go from go from you know twenty parts down to two parts, and they're just those crappy keyboards. They were just they were <laughs> okay. I'm gonna leave you alone. Thank you, like Slotman, <laughs> and um, I have to say this. I'm 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 going to predict this when this whole thing with this virus thing is done because we've all been separated. I have a feeling in the, in the coming year there are gonna be more gatherings and groupings together of You're, people. So I'm I'm hoping more shows and more stuff. I really right. hope we get to see each other person We'll see you soon. in
2: Portland or in, or in VCF East or something like that. Right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Right.
2: Thanks a lot, Listen, Kurt. Take man. Have a good one, alright? You too. Stay safe. Oh, you too. Especially you in NYC. Steve, so that's uh, so oh, that was 40, minutes, 40 minutes and I liked it. Kurt is interesting to talk to, isn't he?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, that was fantastic. I I have to say that it really puts a capper on our two-parter about I want candy and Atari's biggest mistake. Now, not that we aren't going to continue in that series later in the season with other things, but you know the, the whole candy discussion just kind of both excites me and frustrates me at the same time.
2: Exactly. Well, I like how he began with talking about the actual beginnings of the computers, and how it split off and if you and i encourage everyone to buy atari inc is fun it's an incredible book the book has a lot more detail about the technical wranglings about everything that happened but our discussion and then our sort of alternative timeline for atari is something i've wanted to discuss with people for a long time and kurt was the perfect person
1: yeah and it's it's the sort of alternative timeline that lives in the vertical blank if you think about it i mean it's it's kind of all about that
2: it's right out of the vertical blank
1: yes exactly so you know we've got more next week but i thought we'd just dip into watching playing reading because we're in the middle of this pandemic not that i really want to focus on that at all in fact i'd rather not talk about it at all i'd rather talk about what you're doing jeff what are you what are you watching right now
2: what am i watching so i am currently the um, the third season of uh, killing eve started it's a fantastic show and devs, I've been watching the first couple episodes of that. And is that a, that's not a comedy. What is that? No, it's not a comedy at all. It's a it's a technological mystery. I would say it's closer to Mr. Robot than anything I've seen in a long time. What channel is it on? It is what's, on FX. What, uh, it's on FX ooh, and then okay. if you have Hulu, it's on FX on Hulu also. Uh, so you don't oh, even I need a cable subscription. If you pay five ninety nine for Hulu, they have every FX show. And everything from the catalog is on Hulu now also. That's cool. And Um, I'm not selling for Disney or anything like that, but I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) I'm currently watching, uh, I just caught up this morning on Westworld Season 3, Episode 5. I need to get... Here's the thing, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil any of this. I'm just going to say that it feels like this season, they knew where they were going. Some of the others, you're like, I kind of don't know where they're going until the end. This, this season's like, oh, I they have a point to this thing. It, it also feels like maybe they're racing to a conclusion to the whole series. I guess we'll see. It could be.
2: I did see the first two episodes. One thing I don't understand, and maybe you can explain it to me in, in your own Steve way, is what kind of fun would you have in a World War II world? Oh, I think that is... I think
1: the whole point of a World War II world is is like, these are rich people fantasies.
2: Got it. Say and no I mean, more. Say no more. I don't even want to talk about it. Okay, yeah. I got it. Um. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yes. Um,
1: either way. So, playing. I, I'll i say I just, I played all the way through the main um, storyline in on Skyrim, which I hadn't played 10 years ago when it came out. So I finally played through that and played through a couple of the other storylines, and I think I, I played it for almost three months straight, and I'm, I decided to put it away, and I pulled out, I bought PES Soccer, so Pro Evolution Soccer for the PlayStation 4, and I'm now playing through a, um, a career of one of the characters, and I just want to point out how similar playing through an RPG and playing through a Pro Evolution Soccer career of one of the players is it's basically a, a soccer role-playing game
2: yeah it's the same thing it's, it's the same exact thing i purchased a bunch of cibs just one at a time that cib i've never had which is pole position two for the the 1700 it came with the system but i never had a cib of it so i got that and oh, uh, before wow. i could drop that in i also got uh ace of aces for the 1700 and i got Davis midnight magic for the XLXE, and I, I discussed that last week. While I was doing pole position for Ferg's podcast, my element monitor, my target element monitor, costs like 100 bucks that I used to plug everything in. I was, it plays the ST, has the ST signal that I can use with the boxes. I mean, it works great. It actually, actually fell over on top of one of the boxes that I use for input output and cracked oh. the, the TV. So um, oh, I used some of my stimulus money and ordered a new one. So I've not been able to play oh, any nice. games on that thing, although I'm itching to drop in a bunch of Atari XLXE cards and play. And of course as soon as I don't have the machine the TV to play on, I wanna play. Oh, machine. I
1: forgot to say that I, I did plug my Retron seventy seven in so I could play pole position as well for first podcast. Oh, so Yeah. I did
2: yeah, do yeah. that. So what am I reading? I'm still reading the John Cryer book. It's fantastic. He and Molly Rainwald did not get along, and she sounds like a total <laughs> hole. I, well that's according to his book so who knows yes it's according to his book she may be the nicest person in the entire world you're right Steve could be because I'm only, I only one side of this conversation she really wanted Robert Downey Jr. to play Ducky and because he wasn't playing Ducky she didn't like the ending with them getting together so she wanted it changed so that, so that it, it was a different movie she
1: wanted to be more realistic let's be honest Ducky was not the greatest character in the world
2: um you know. yeah, i mean I Ducky's understand.
1: a great character, but but for that for that for that movie it didn't work. You know, there was no chemistry there and that's the problem. Not at all,
2: right, so, exactly. Well, yeah. oh, I think there was chemistry between him and Annie Potts though. I'm not gonna go into any details. Oh that, I I got I guess I have to read that book. I've yeah. got i to read I
1: finished Paul Hirsch's book about um his editing book, which is actually really, really good. And I'm back reading I was to oh, that's see a, I that's wanted just, I wanted to go back and read his the story about him building Breakout for Atari and
2: so I'm back reading that again. There's a second Breakout story in that book that I love. Oh, what is it? Him building the sideways Breakout in Integer Basic for the Apple II <laughs> <two> to test <laughs> out the graphic capabilities.
1: And oh, I'm, that's cool.
2: I'm trying to find a, a awesome. video of that because I've never seen it but I wonder how fast it was. Um, I don't know. So, anyway, it's a very good book. I Was is a Fantastic book. It's better than all of those Jobs books and movies that came out in one. The part in I was is the saddest. Is
1: what what Wozniak wants from Steve Jobs? Like he wants to use a font or something. I can't remember what it is. It's in the mid '80s, and he wants to use something, and and Jobs is just a total ass to him about it. And it's like Woz is just like, I don't even didn't couldn't even understand why he wouldn't let him do it, but it made no sense at all. And it just it showed you the difference between the two guys. just to so the absolute disdain it felt like jobs had for was for no particular reason. At least then it was very strange about um, programming. you programming anything?
2: No, just Salesforce stuff for work, which is not anything fun to talk about, yeah. I mean,
1: I've been doing Alexa stuff for work, but um for at home, i I've, I've decided that if I can't use some of this time, to actually finish an Atari seventy hundred game with seven hundred basic, I'm never going to be able to do it. So I'm working on one right now. And in fact, what I'm working that's on great. is the thing you will I think you'll understand this. Making the actual game logic and stuff, I mean, while I'm not a great pro, not a, a super great programmer, coming up with logic and stuff was not a problem. No. You know, polishing the games is always the problem. That that's why nothing ever comes out. Graphics like, and polishing the game yeah i'll finish like the actual game loop and it, it works i'm like oh now i gotta make levels and i have to draw things and stuff so actually i've started this new process by trying to figure out how to do some pixel art with the 7800 and so what i'm doing is i'm working on the title screen and i know it sounds like well you work on the title screen you're done you never work anything well in this case getting the title screen done will actually let me actually get the, get the game done itself
2: well let um, me tell so you working- something in 2008 and and through 2010 when we were working on our book in A- Fraction Cup 3 and wanted pixel art, there was n- absolutely no place you could go to learn how to draw things with pixel art. No videos, no books, nothing. On YouTube now, there are places you can go, how can I draw stuff with pixel art? And they'll go into how to shade things properly, and so there are some great tutorials out there. So it helps.
1: Yeah, no, and people people sent some stuff on Twitter as well, which is really cool. When oh, I asked, good. and so so yeah, there are some re- resources for that. It's just odd the way the seven thousand eight hundred displays things. Even sometimes the pixel art that you think is going to look good when it, it actually shows up on the display doesn't look like you like you wanted to. Mostly because the pixels are such, so oddly shaped. It's taller than it is wide. When did it comes did you try to, to use the pixels, higher
2: resolution mode?
1: Nah, because you'll get enough colors.
2: But you do if you layer if you layer sprites on top of each other. I guess I could do that, but so I think high res still... you get twelve total colors, and then you could just index the colors on top of one another.
1: Is it so, twelve total, or is it a bunch of
2: oh? There, I mean, I think there's four palettes of three. What I'm saying is yeah, that, in oh, is there four palettes of three? It, I, I of have to look at it. And see, but it's the three twenty A mode, and it's okay. Yeah, see, I would have loved. I, I may, I may look look at that. If you do that, though, you need to use the zones properly because you're going to have four sprites making up one, or let's say two, say even two, for two different colors in a background, right? For two two color sprites, even two color sprites look fine, right? But you're still going to have to use the zones properly and ca- calculate them out because you don't, you can't have more than like 20 sprites in a zone or something.
1: I've already ran into some zone issues with sprites things just stop displaying, and they kind of get corrupted and stuff when you have too many sprites, so. The manual for Atari 700 Basic, which is great, it doesn't go into a lot of how to set up things in like 320A and B. It's 160A is really the one that it's focused on, but you can find some other places where things make sense. When you include graphics, you can set graphics modes, and that's where you can set like the palette stuff. It seems like it's set up for the 160A mode for the most part, and then, if you want to break out of that, you have there's there's some other like tricks and things to get done. I think the 160A mode, which is I think 192 by 260 or something, is it's a
2: fine mode to play with. And do yeah, stuff with. no, it's a fine graphics mode, definitely. I think that there are games made in the higher res mode, and I think that the way to push the 7800 to have games that don't look blocky. Is to use the higher resolution mode. Right. I can't right. even. Push I the can't even program mode. a game in the in the medium resolution mode though. So I'm not. Who am I to say, right? I'm not tr- I've tried and I, I, I get stuck should, at drawing a ship. Okay. So I
1: think you should try. I think yeah. I think the problem is though, drawing the graphics first, and once well, you can get over that hump.
2: I have mentioned you that want I want to... to talk about the ST in every single episode, so I maybe I still want to do this. I'm still trying to make it game in sauce. But anyway, go on, sorry, once you get over the hump of I was drawing... gonna say
1: once you have that hump, then maybe you want to display your graphics and all of a sudden, you know it starts going. but
2: it just well, depends on what you want to do. Send me over a version of your um the title screen you're working on when you have a title screen. I will. I will. I'll send it over to you and then you'll see you'll see what it is. So there you go. So any any more parting thoughts before we go for this week, Steve? We'll, we've kept going this will be five weeks in a row, by the way.
1: I uh, know this will be six weeks in a row. We did five weeks in a oh, row. Oh, this is
2: week. EP6, you're right. You're right. This will yeah. be six weeks in a and row. We,
1: we have content for two more in a row before we, we run out have to pause or figure out what we're going to do after that.
2: <laughs> yeah. so we'll go we'll go up to eight episodes. but you're right if i if I can't figure out a way to sit down at my own personal laptop, and program a retro game of some sort for a retro console right now with the extra time I have because there's no one pulling me to go out and do things because we can't. Exactly. It, it's just like there's too many good things on TV, unfortunately. And then I get tired and fall asleep a lot earlier because I can't run or really do a lot of exercise outside. So really, my body is like making me go to sleep. Thank you for listening to season three, episode six of Into the Vertical Blank, Generation Atari. I want candy a discussion with Kurt Vendell about what Atari could have been. Until next time... Into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. Now, one other thing before we go. Steve, we need to record a new um, tag for Ferg's podcast because he continues to play ours. Well, he's done it a few times. And we need to make a new one for him. Let's do one. Okay. 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 Ready? Let's let's do it then. Hi, this is Jeff, 8-Bit Rocket. And Steve... Fulton bot. You're listening to the incredible Ferg on the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast.
1: And we'll see you in the vertical blank. Hey, Jeff, we're going to go out with the rest of Tony Longroad's song from Music from Isolation. This is what he had to tell me about it. He said this. I was wondering what I could do now that we're nearly all self-isolating. He came up with the idea of writing as much music as I can and releasing it for free so you can all listen and enjoy it. Maybe it'll take your mind off what's going on for a few minutes, distract you, give you a little escapism. I really hope it helps in some way, in any way. Just remember, we're in this together. And with science, art, and kindness, we can get through this. Oh yeah, and a good sense of humor will help too. Um, And he says, if you want to hear more of Tony's music, go to tonylongworth.bandcamp.com. TonyLongworth.bandcamp.com. It's spelled
2: exactly how it sounds. Well, that's awesome. Okay, until next time, we're going to go out of the vertical blank, and this time with a little Tony Longworth. All right, see you next time. Into the vertical blank.
1: Rocket Studios production.